0: Homeschool Expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast.
1: Hello, friend, and welcome back. I'm so glad you've returned for part two of our conversation with Lonnie Bang and CC Phillips. Homeschool moms of five and three kids, respectively, as we talk about what it means to each of them as blended families of color to homeschool their children in what traditionally has not been a diverse learning space and why it's so important that we continue to expand our community. We've covered a lot of great topics in the first episode about how their families chose to homeschool, as well as the perception of homeschooling within communities of color and how we can continue to be welcoming. It is such an important topic that we decided to continue it into a second episode. So let's jump back into the conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just no, to no. And so, CC, then, do you have specific advice for families considering homeschooling, especially those who might share a similar experience or story to you?
2: I would definitely say do your homework. Um, you know, research. Look, you know, uh, my husband is a big researcher he looked at debates, he looked at the pros and cons of it all. Um, I think it's always important before you start anything to make a well-informed decision, have mm-hmm. conversations with people to really understand the whole thing. Because the, the I think the scariest thing is to jump into something that you sometimes are not fully aware of, especially this part of when it comes to your children and their education or how you're going to raise them in a way that know makes them ready and successful for life so I would just encourage in that part to really inform educate research yourself on the on the mm-hmm. subject
1: yeah that's excellent how about you Lonnie what what would you advise for families new to it
0: I I actually echo everything that Cece just said I couldn't say it even say it better but one thing I will you're say- seconding that yeah Right, yes. But one thing I will say is, after you've done all the education, I feel like uh, homeschool is almost like starting a business. Um, You just got to start it. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a time where you can Mm -hmm. research so many different ideas and thoughts and do it this way, do it that way. And you can find yourself just stuck until you just say, I've got to do it. And so, if homeschooling is the direction that you find yourself you want to go that direction after your research, just start. <laughs> you know, right. That's the biggest thing. Just start. Sometimes
1: I feel like it parallels the learning curve of parenthood the same way, yes. right? You know, how when you talk to friends, they say, well, I can't have a, a baby yet because I just don't know enough about being a parent. It's like, well... Right the way you find out about being a parent is by being a parent. Um, right. and homeschooling kind of feels that way too, right? Yeah. All of us have to find yeah. our yes. sea legs that first year. Nobody enters homeschooling thinking like I have got this nailed. Exactly. Um, certainly there there are ways to resource yourself. And that's part of why homeschool expert is here, right? We're trying to provide resources to parents so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. But that being said, you're still going to want to customize whatever you find mm-hmm. to your family and your schedule and your kids' learning needs and I know all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So so then what about families coming from a variety of economic backgrounds? So we've talked before about single parent households or even where both parents work or they flex their schedules around homeschooling. What have you learned from watching friends or even your own experience about how to make homeschooling doable, you know, creative ways to make it affordable um, on both ends, even of the economic spectrum? <sighs>
0: I'll take it. I, for, for me, again, it's kind of echoes what CC was saying, research. Um, you can't get into homeschool and just say, I'm in a homeschool and then just start. So wherever you are on the economic spectrum or on the family life spectrum, two-parent household, one-parent household, you have to research your education for your child or children, uh, what curriculum you're going to use, and then how you're going to um, teach your child or children. Um, that's mm-hmm. That's up to the individuals because there's enough resources available. And I'll just speak to this without going into a long tangent. Economics is not the reason why you cannot homeschool. It is not. Um, There's many options. Uh, There's K-12 available. There's many options out Mm -hmm. there uh, where you can find support if homeschooling is the option you want to go. So money can't. Let's throw that off the table. It, it doesn't matter where you're on that spectrum. Finances are not going to be the reason why you can't homeschool. If you can't homeschool, mm. that, that's other reasons, but it's not money. So um, so that's that's right. all I have to say is that do your research. The resources are there um, and you can do it.
1: Yeah, I know I have a friend who recently started homeschooling just because of life circumstances, right? Sometimes life throws mm-hmm. us curveballs and she was moving in January to a new state as a single mom of two kids. And she thought that's going to be so weird to put them in a new school in February. Like, what are they really going to right. get out of that? And mm-hmm. so she transitioned them into homeschooling as a single parent. Mm-hmm. And the way that worked for her was she was moving to an area that had grandparents nearby and the grandparents agreed to come over and just sit at the kitchen table for three hours while mm-hmm. the kids finished their work and had supervision. And they were all, you know, the two kids are above the age of 12. So well, she's not leaving six-year-olds at home alone or something. But right. um, all that to say she found her own flexibility uh, mm-hmm. and was able to customize it to what they needed. So have you seen anything else like that with, with parents flip-flopping work schedules or mm-hmm. schooling on the weekends or something to make it work for them?
0: I have, yeah. but I'll let you see uh,
2: I, I just know that um, we have some friends whose son was being bullied at school and they both work and mm-hmm. he happens to be 13 now, but he, they found a online uh, program for him to be able to do during home. But then his grandmother picks him up every day after he's done and he actually learned Spanish from her. And so oh, cool. he's learning Spanish, learning how to cook from her, all these different things. And I would say too, if you have the opportunity to be around family to do this, that is your greatest support system because mm-hmm. homeschooling doesn't necessarily mean you always have to be the teacher in it. You can have other people be a part of that teaching experience for your child.
1: Well, and what a special experience for him with his grandmother too. That's such a rare thing, mm-hmm. right? To get the intergenerational yeah. learning that comes with that is invaluable. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's an can... excellent example. Go ahead, Lonnie.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to mean to jump in like that. Um No, you're good. I have a, the last co-op and I, I don't, Anyway, it was a single mom and she had a daughter and um, they were both single moms, one child, and they would co-teach each other's children, if that's the proper term. So one parent would work or yeah, certain schedule. Yeah, I have seen that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. One parent work a certain schedule. And then while that parent was working, the other parent would help with the instructions of the kids and they would just swap. And I was like, that is so unique. And so her daughter, I think, Mm -hmm. graduated last year and is going to university. And I think the youngest one, I don't know what they decided to do because I think the other the other girl was younger. CCU you may know, but um, I think they're still homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if they're still swapping, of course, because the one's in college. <laughs> so, but yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and those are two right. parents who didn't, they didn't have parents, they didn't have family, but they found each other, um, I think, through their uh, church right. community and co-op community. So,
1: yeah. Right. So despite what folks outside the homeschooling community might assume, co-ops and the social element You know, certainly for my family, it sounds like for yours and most others I know, it's a pretty big element, right, to Mm -hmm. our education, our holistic education. Uh Um, So I imagine questions around diversity and social justice come up in your co ops. How do you tackle those questions and needs as a group? Or maybe if I put it differently, what do you wish some of the co ops you have met over the years and may or may not have ended up joining might have done differently to make your family feel more welcome?
2: Yeah, we, I, I'll be, and not that I wasn't honest in the beginning, but, um, I'll just be honest as far as I don't, I don't necessarily, we have not necessarily experienced that within the co-ops. However, I'll say this on certain social issues, because our, um, the co-op that we had attended was, um, definitely a faith based co-op and not all co-ops are that way, but right. this one was, uh and i i do remember a lot of the conversation when anything had to be explained there was always what we would come from the bible um, mm-hmm. the the stance would always come from a biblical perspective and so that's kind of how things were that's that's kind of our foundation mm-hmm. in which we handled those social uh, issues of of the of today so
1: that's, That's good to know. Too. That's true. So joining a co-op that comes from a perspective that resonates with your own worldview is a helpful thing to look for, right? If you were trying to encourage parents or families looking for that. What did you want to add, Lonnie?
0: Right. So for us, it did come up. Um, what I would and, and this is just life, right? If you're in a, if you're in a community of learning, you're bound to hit some places of differences. <laughs> And you work through them. And so my children were often just do, I think, by way of the work and us being, um, my kids were older when we were in, well, they were younger in co-ops too. When they were younger, it wasn't so much. I think as parents, when our kids were little, we were all happy just to have other parents that were, uh, doing homeschool and we could do it together. So that was great. So I didn't even feel like the. Available was- at one thirty
1: to go to the playground. Right. Well, yeah. Yes,
0: yes. So I think we were all so grateful. We just found we were each other's support mm-hmm. system, um, in, in our community that we experienced. Um, and that was actually through our public, through our district. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't a Christian based, um, uh, uh, educational, mm-hmm. you know, program. And so, but as we got older and we experienced co-ops, um, whether through our community center or just faith-based co-ops, um, some of the, there were, there were some tough conversations that came out, but everything was handled. I feel like, uh, it was an environment of learning. So it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, well, this is how we see it. This is how you see it. Now there's a divide. No, it was okay. This mm-hmm. is how, this is what, My experience has been, what has your experience been? And let's learn together. Um, Sometimes those Mm -hmm. conversations or those environments didn't always end everyone on the same note. Or, you know, like I agree with you. However, it did end on let's continue to learn. And I think in the space of Mm -hmm. going together or looking for diversity or looking for um, being being accepted, everyone wants to everyone's there to learn no one's there to uh go into a co-op situation or a or a a group learning environment where they feel like they're not learning or they feel like they're hitting brick walls um when it comes to the place of being educated and so i'm i'm getting lost in my train of thought again but um i guess what i would hope would be in any environment that if someone is seeking out a co-op through their district or through their community center or through a faith-based community, make sure it's an environment where everyone wants to learn and continue to learn. Because it doesn't mean that you're always Mm going to come to an agreement, Mm -hmm. but you can agree to continue to grow in the place of education. And I think that's important.
1: That's excellent. That's very well said. So since we've begun even talking about this this spring, Lonnie, um, Mm -hmm. I've gone back through a lot of curriculum resources and homeschool websites and am seeing it with a different set of eyes now um, and seeing it for the lack of diversity that's often represented there. So when you think about curriculum you have browsed or homeschool conferences you've attended or even homeschool seminars you may have listened to. What would you like to see more of that would have made you feel supported as a family of color that's homeschooling or said differently, like what would have been encouraging or compelling to you that makes you feel valued for who you are? You mentioned that as being part of the co-op element. So just kind of taking that into the curriculum and training aspect too.
0: I think when it comes to curriculum, we use that our curriculum is really old. I'm not going to name it on air. Our our, our curriculum's old, <laughs> so some of the vocabulary, yeah. <laughs> some of the vocabulary in the pictures mm-hmm. are very interesting, and our kids are like, "Hey, mom." Yep. Just- not culturally sensitive and i'm like okay you know um you know we just kind of skip past it like you know it's old time you know you know so i think Which opens
1: up another conversation all its own. You're like, well, that's an interesting educational tangent. We'll take that one. Go (laughs) ahead, though. Sorry.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, so true. Um, I think for us when it comes to curriculum, um, and if you're talking about people of color, I'm not necessarily looking for curriculum that has, and I'll just, I'm going to be very candid, that has black people in it. Mm-hmm. I am looking for curriculum that has uh, totality or a totality or, or a full grasp, like for history. I want real history, full history, not gapped history, or we're only going to tell this part. I want full history. Um, I know that in a public school setting, they don't have that option to cover history to that degree. Um Yes and no. We'll say that for another conversation, <laughs> but, but um, so I am looking for that. <laughs> I am looking for that. Um, when we looked at our curriculum, it was actually the curriculum that my aunt used with my cousins. <laughs> so that's how we got to our curriculum, which actually is mm. liking minus the insensitivity <laughs> to some of the vocabulary that's used to describe people yes. and some of the depictions past that right yeah so so if i had to say you know modern if somebody was writing a modern curriculum it would be great to have modern if you're going to use people phrases people groups it would be great to have modern terminologies modern depictions that's awesome right um but again me as a person of color i'm not approaching my education and maybe cc has a different opinion i'm not approaching my curriculum for it to speak to my black and asian family i'm i just want my children to be educated. I do want that in my history, though. I want a full-rounded history, but I don't expect it in my language right. arts. I don't expect that. You know what I mean? So.
1: Yeah. No, the total view, I thought that was really well said. I remember about two or three years ago, I attended a curriculum fair and, mm. you know, there were dozens and hundreds of tables everywhere. And I walked over to one and my instant reaction was, oh, this is so awesome. They have Maybe sixty titled books that are all, and again, I won't mention the publisher and the name of them, but they're all like this um, hero series where you can pick up one book on, for example, George Washington. Right, read everything about George Washington. And I thought this is a fantastic resource. And then as I stood there staring at the table, I started counting, and it's almost all white men. Uh, Then with a few white women. And very few people of color. And so the man at the booth actually called him over and I said, is this your full list? He said, it is. I said, it's really exciting that you have so many titles. Um, I'm trying to understand, though, why you have so few people of color on the covers. He said, well, we have Martin Luther King Jr. I said, and George Washington Carver. And I said, yep, yep, those are too. But like, what about, <laughs> <laughs> right, current or or women of color? I don't see any women of color here represented and that would be really exciting for my kids to read. So could you take that comment back to your your publishers? And he said, oh, yes, I'll, I'll absolutely do that. So, I mean, that, uh, that memory just sticks with me so strongly. So, Cece, I don't know if you've experienced anything like that as well. Or is there something in seminars or curriculum that would have made you or your kids feel more valued? Lonnie sort of addressed that, but I want to give you space to do that, too.
2: Yeah, I would say um, what Lonnie had said. We initially are not looking for <laughs> the people of color necessarily in the curriculum, but we are looking for a holistic learning for sure mm-hmm. uh, regarding that. Um, you know, again, I, I had also found in some of our curriculum, like cultural things that would have been different for us. You know, I think there was one on teaching etiquette and it was a health class and the, you know, what do you do before you go eat dinner? well, you brush your hair. Well, if you wear braids, you can't brush your hair. Like (laughs) certain things like that. Just like, did you ever think about that? Like, and I was like, and there was a couple other things that I just brought back to the curriculum people and said, I just need need you to know that some Mm. of this, like Lonnie says, some of this is not necessarily across the board. Uh, Cause it was a test question. I said across the board, um, you know, accurate and so, or not Mm -hmm. uh, applicable to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I think, yes, that is important, but I think, you know, like what you just did, noticing that the things were not in the curriculum and speaking up regarding that will make the difference. Well, So it's the demand of like, Hey, I don't see this happening. Um, And it's important that, you know, it's important that everybody's represented. I too agree, like that whole, let's have a whole world history. Uh, Some of our history books right now is, it's, you know, it's a world view of how it all came together. And I think that's so important Mm -hmm. um, to have that for sure. So yeah, uh, and there were definitely gaps in that. Or go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say there's even within the public education system, right? This is not specific mm-hmm. to homeschooling. There are definite gaps, and we'll hit on that here um, in a couple questions. But, but yeah, this is not solely a homeschool problem um, or opportunity, I should say. Right? There's so much more that can be included, and I love that you circled back with a curriculum company too, CC, and and gave them that feedback because I don't, I, I would suspect. Like I want to assume the best about intentions, uh, especially these companies. I don't assume they're looking to exclude readers. They just haven't considered it. Their staff may not be very diverse. And so no one has raised the question of, like you said, braids and brushing your hair. Um, they're like, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned it. I've I've written to curriculum companies who so I don't even like the font they use <laughs> and because the A is confusing, right? You know the lowercase squiggly A? <laughs> Yeah. Have an early reader and they're like what is that, <laughs>
0: that yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> so I've even written to like primer learning reading companies like can you switch your a just pick a different font please <laughs> so I think all that to say yes. this is where it's so important as parents for us to stay involved to keep reaching out to those curriculum with graciousness and say I appreciate this could you please consider that Um And that's how things start to change. So that's good. This may, And this next question might seem so obvious that it shouldn't even be asked, but I really want to make sure we get to the heart behind what we're talking about, which is why is it so important that we intentionally work, right? You and your co-ops in Washington, me and mine in Oregon and listeners everywhere. Why is it so important we intentionally work to expand our homeschool community? And based on your story and personal experience, like this is especially key. What would have felt authentic versus tokenism to you? And maybe if we can even explain that concept of tokenism a bit, um, when you were starting out in homeschooling so that listeners can really understand to may or may not be aware of it.
0: <laughs> Sorry, silence. Take it. <laughs> you, you start. Well, you start okay. and let me chime no, in if you don't mind. No,
2: not at all. Um, so the question of tokenism. Um, I'll give a perfect example. My last job as a case manager, I was the only uh, professional person of color in the organization that worked with predominantly, I would say, like ninety percent of our um, our clients were um, either African American or other of uh, some other minority minority culture, and. I would say that I was the one that was asked to go and speak on behalf of the, the company, the organization, any time publicly. Um, I was the teacher in all the classrooms. Mm. Um, so just highlighting the one person of color in your whole organization to be your representative, mm-hmm. uh, taking them as that token. Um, that's what I was in my last job. Uh, mm. And not that I, You know, I loved it, but at the same time, it's like, anybody could have done this or, you know. It feels um, like you're a box to
1: be checked, sort of. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, Definitely. And that would be the worst case scenario coming out of this podcast, right? We have two Mm -hmm. people groups listening to this. One who is coming from a a place of color, like a people of color, family of color background, and the other who has been part of that homeschool tradition. And in my mind, the worst case scenario is... New families listening who are families of color would say, "Oh, there's no diversity in these co-ops. We're just not going to do this because I don't think that's totally accurate, nor do I think it's it's what should be perpetuated." But then I don't want the um, traditional homeschooling families who are largely white either to hear this and say, "Oh, well, we just need to get a couple people of color in our group and then we'll be fine." It's like, no, that that we're that's not the heart of what we're trying to say. That as both of you have pointed out early on, it's this constant learning right? We learn from each other's Mm -hmm. perspectives as Mm -hmm. individuals and um, color aside, like there's so much to learn from everybody's different background, but then we need to look at at race too and bring that in and understand how we've all experienced history differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can like speak to that even, um, and Lonnie, if you want to jump in here on this one, Mm -hmm. maybe, why is it so important that we keep working to expand our community as homeschoolers?
0: I think- that's a double question you have expand yep uh authentically expand yeah, right. yeah and then you have two communities of color um that's those are two different questions or two different approaches right feel so, free to
1: dissect right. yeah go ahead
0: right so i feel like like i was saying before homeschooling becoming a, a one of the primary options not the distant creepy relative option off right. the corner right and so i think Making homeschool like this is part of an option and this is something that you can do and you can do well um, That expands it and I don't I don't it, Maybe it's more social media, you know, hey homeschooling is an option. Maybe it's our districts You know championing homeschooling instead of sometimes I know that some school districts in state look at homeschooling like the uh, Relative they wish or I don't know say relative maybe part of the house they wish they could, you know, destroy, (laughs) you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like with, I almost feel like sometimes homeschool is, is like a, even though it's you, I mean, we're part of our state. You have to read, at least in Washington state, you have to register your your family with the school district you're in and let them know that you're homeschooling. But sometimes I feel like it's almost like us versus them instead of it being this is an us homeschooling is one of the beautiful options that, you know, as Americans, we can offer to our families if that mm-hmm. works for your family. So I would like to see that first. And I, again, I don't know how to champion that across the whole uh, across the whole education world. Um, how do we make homeschool one of the top options, not the distant relative creepy option? Um, and, so, and I hate to use that, you know, that, that example, but that helps, you know, that's where I feel like homeschool has, has been sometimes, you know. Sure. Um, and then for communities of color, I think, uh, spe- and I can speak for African Americans. I can speak for my experience as an African American in my circle. Right. It's all right. Of course. Um, in my circle, I don't think homeschool was an option because. Getting your education and then getting your career was the option, right? And so, therefore, public school and private school those were your top two options. Um, what starts to become, what starts to break that down, is if you have a child that has ADHD, there's some kind of mental health disorder or special needs. That's mm-hmm. when you start to see a look into homeschool being an option. When your traditional options no longer fit what your child needs. So I think for communities of color or for my for in my sphere of influence, how I have been trying to voice that is, hey, homeschool is an option, kind of like with the first one. It should be considered, um, when you look at your education, look at all of it, homeschool, private school, uh, public school, pray about it, map it out, see what's going to work best for your, your child. And if you see that, you know, let's say you're doing public school, it's not working. Um, okay. Look at homeschool, look at private school. Again, keep going back to the different models of education until you find the one that best fits your family. Um And so that would be my approach for communities of color is actually bringing it to my, my place of influence, bringing it to the forefront and then also attaching, this is how you can do it. Like these are some options. It doesn't always have to be you sitting down with your kid one-on-one teaching. There's some models that your kids are learning online. Like CC mentioned earlier, there's some models where you can learn some online, maybe grandma or somebody else teaches this or, or there's even some where we've seen some families do some homeschooling At home, and then they take their kid to public school for a couple of classes. So there's so many ways uh, to do it. And, And I just think we have to, as me as a person of color, African American continue in my place of influence to champion that being an option. It doesn't have Correct. to be an option, but an option. And I think the more families hear about it being an option and that it's doable, I think the more we'll see community of colors, uh, or at least in my in my spirit, uh, considering homeschool. Mm.
1: That's great. That's very encouraging. Cece, was there anything you wanted to add on that question? Um,
2: yeah, just a couple of things. And I just want to say, I echo everything that Lonnie has said already. Um I just want to also encourage, I know for us, um, as my husband, and I talk about this, uh, just even within the communities that you have. So for example, our pastor, um, pastors being able to speak up about the options of homeschooling and what that does Mm -hmm. for the family, um, whatever community circle you're around the opportunities for that to be exposed in that way is so helpful to get it across. And, um, I can't reiterate again, just within your own circle of influence. I think within mine, I've had four or five other uh, families of color just come to me and ask, okay, how'd you do it, girl? Because I need to know uh, we're considering doing this. Right. And just being able to have that conversation and encourage them and feel like, okay, here's another way of connecting, I think is great um, to
1: be able to do that. Yeah, that's great. That's all very helpful. So thank you both for sharing that. Um, So as the backdrop to my next question, I want to provide a little information that I recently learned about the state where we moved two years ago. So we now live in Oregon. And until recently, I didn't know there were Black exclusionary laws until 1926, and that the 15th Amendment was not ratified in the state until 1959, which is almost 90 years later, right? That amendment for voting rights for all. So Portland, Oregon to this day is why they recognize as the largest majority white city in America. And for part of my education, I was actually in public school in Oregon as well. And even in my AP government classes, I never learned any of that and I should have. And so I've been doing a lot of reading lately, trying to hear a broader range of voices. Um, and you both know me and you know my heart and I trust you in your perspectives. So what advice would you have for me and, uh, you know, specifically, or maybe even other homeschool parents who share this heart of expanding our community, um, specifically, like, how can I educate my children thoughtfully about diversity and America's broader history, especially as it pertains to African Americans who were lesser represented um, in the co-ops right now? So like on a l- practical level, I live in a community that isn't very diverse. So mm-hmm. what can I actually do to change that and to expose my children to a perspective that's outside of their own?
2: The first thing I think about um, are relationships. Mm-hmm. I think our society is built on relationships. And, um, you know, some relationships are built with intentionality and some are just by happenstance. Mm-hmm. Um, the second, so I would say relationships is is probably the first place that can be started, and and um, not saying for anybody that is of the dominant culture to quickly go find a, a you know, a person that is not and right. start having this relationship. I think it comes naturally, um, for sure. Uh, secondly, as parents, we have this opportunity to flood, especially within homeschool, even without of homeschool encouraging and looking for um, literature mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily presented in the um, mainstream educational um, arena and, and learning from that. I think that's another place in which that can happen. Um, you know, uh, the, the other thing too is, I would say too, I said this and then I didn't say it, but being intentional about where you interact, where you go. Um, I heard a pastor who happens to be African-American share, he was going into a racial reconciliation a conference mm-hmm. and he had to stop and think and say to himself, his, um, his family was surrounded by black people just as like, I would say it. My family is too. We mm-hmm. predominantly are surrounded by that. So, um, and ha- he had to say to himself, how can we, be racially reconciled if we continue to live in our own little box. And they mm-hmm. decided to go to a different place of worship where they were the minor- minority family, just like Lonnie's family is. And mm-hmm. um, and I grew up like that though, too. I grew up in a Catholic church and we were the only minority family um, within our church. So, you know, I was able, I was exposed to both of those sides as well. And so I think there's just some of like stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not to say that you checked off a box and, okay, I talked to this, you know, person that doesn't look like me, but really being uh, genuine and sincere and wanting to say, I think, learn, like wanting to learn and wanting to be friends with people um, is so important in in allowing that to happen.
1: That's good. And then authentic conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And like, if I can ask clarifying question there, Cece, that sounds like Mm -hmm. what you're saying is, we're getting to know each other as people. So we don't start out the conversation saying, well, tell me about what it's like in your skin, (laughs) right? Right. What do you do with your kids for fun? And where have you guys got, do you ever go camping, right? Whatever the natural conversation might be, as you were saying in the beginning of, of find ways to build relationships in an authentic way, but just be aware that you may need to step out of your comfort zone in order to build those relationships. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
2: Yes, and I just want to add. I'm just thinking about myself growing up. Um, The first question I got from a lot of people growing up is, "So, what are you?"
1: Yeah, like, what do you mean? I'm glad you're mentioning that. And that was
2: just, yeah, it was just so awkward. And I was just like, I'm already alone trying to figure out within myself
1: where Mm -hmm. I fit,
2: and then where, then all of a sudden, I'm given this question of, "What are you?" Then it just, oh, it just, it can just tear your world up and. We as people are looking up or finding ways to, how can we fit in? How can we feel like we're a part of this group of people, right? Mm -hmm. To feel, to be a part of something. And so um, if we can find the commonalities first, then we can start beginning to have the discussions of differences later on Mm -hmm. with a a basis and a foundation, hopefully of just, you know, that relationships built on love and kindness Mm -hmm. and sincerity and all those good things first.
1: Yeah. That's excellent. Thank you for that. That's very insightful. Um, Lonnie, how about you? What thoughts do you have on
0: Yes, developing del- del- okay. perspectives? Yeah, CC to you, though, you are racially ambiguous. Like, <laughs> I mean, I am not that it's a fair question, but Cece... <laughs> I mean, she can fit in like so many different ethnicities that you're like, what are, what is your ethnic background? So that is to echo maybe on a, on a lighter, funny, funnier side. Right. But, um, I totally Uh get what you're saying. Um, Cece, um, don't want to take from that, but, um, yeah, there's, there's two things when I think about that, there's, uh, two, uh, questions that pop in my mind. Um, There's the question where people want their children to be globally educated, which means the people that make up our world. Um, And then there's the second where they want their children and their families to be integrated with other ethnicities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, can have the you can have either one or two, and you can also combine them both. It depends on what premise people want to begin with. Um, For the sake of your question, I believe you're talking about people who want both one and two, correct? They want the holistic approach to education as well as, right. So that is for the individual to search out history and, 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 uh, education, um, educational books or curriculums that speak to that area. Like that's our responsibility. Unfortunately, there's not one history book that fits all. We have mm-hmm. to have a global view of history so we can have an accurate history to see Americans history and the, what has made up America. And so mm-hmm. I think we as individuals have to scholastically go after that to feed that to our children. Um, mm-hmm. So that it's a true representation of America and not just uh, a Caucasian standpoint, oftentimes, is what we kind of see, or what some of the disagreement is in in our education. Um, and I was bold to throw it out there, <laughs> and so I think mean, that's right. Right. Yeah, be bold. Um, Keep it up. All right, all right, And then the second phase is very much what Cece said. So us living in a predominantly Caucasian environment, um, we which we're fine with. Um, But for my children, I do want my children to have diversity. So that means that I can't stay going to my community center for the classes because they're going to be in the same community in which they live in. And so Mm -hmm. I intentionally drive 30 minutes away from my home so that my children can be involved in a community center and classes where there's Diversity—not just Black children, not just Asian children, but all ethnicities Mm represented—and so is that is that uh, would it be easily was it would it be simpler for me to just go two minutes down the road to our community center? Heck yeah, (laughs) you know, because I value that integration. I value uh, my children having um, experiencing other ethnicities um, in their life and growing and learning. I have to then take my children and myself outside of this community and purposely integrate us in another community that's more diverse. That is what we choose to do. Um, And that is a very practical way that someone can. Mm -hmm. um, Is it inconvenient? It's gonna be inconvenient on your time. It sure is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't drive up to the community center hoping to meet a Latino family to ask them all the Latino questions. Absolutely not. I go because okay. you know, yeah. Yeah, I go to just because there's there's other people than just us, other people than just Caucasian people in our community, um which our kids know and and, and I want them to have that viewpoint. And, and not only this, there's other people than just Americans. Um, there's people from other countries that may be Caucasian in 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 color or in in you know in bodily representation, but his, but they're from Europe. So they have a completely different viewpoint. And so I want my children to be surrounded, not just by different ethnicities, but also uh, just, different cultural upbringings and so I take them to communities where that is prevalent and that Mm -hmm. is hard work on me as a mom but that's being intentional and we and we purposely forge friendships like we are I mean I'm not weird about it but I'm definitely like if I see my kids (laughs) playing you know hey let's have a play day outside of you know swim class you know (laughs) so yeah
1: that's great yeah that's great and as we're building a global community right that's so Mm -hmm. such an important part of that holistic education process we're trying Lonnie you're you are literally going the extra miles you're driving the extra miles for that part of their education that's fabulous and I realize not all um communities might have that option right especially as you get some areas of the midwest or their pockets where you could drive for Mm -hmm. a day and still not encounter um you know Croatians and Russians and, and right. that pocket, Seattle does have that benefit, which is great. Um, this has all been really helpful, Cece and Lonnie. I'm so grateful for your time. Do you have some final thoughts that you want to give our friend listening today who might be either new to the idea of homeschooling, you know, curious about whether or not it might work, or you know, or someone who's hungry to expand our homes, hearts, and community as we've been focusing on today, either or both, you know, feel free to take them. But how would you like to close out this time with thoughts that you have for the listeners?
0: Don't let the word homeschooling scare you from homeschooling. Research it, uh, pray about it, get counsel on it. Um, And then if you find that that is the best way for your family or the best educational uh, approach for your family, jump in. Um, and there's tons of resources to support when you do jump in. Um, and then second, if you want to integrate your family more, um, don't be afraid to tackle history. History is beautiful. It's also ugly, but that's why it's history. Um, Mm -hmm. tackle that history, go after it, uh, scholastically look for the diversity in the history and, and, uh, and then, from a practical application, grow from the place of history to present, and also challenge yourself um, if you want to grow in that area of di- diversifying um, your family and and how and the education and what it looks like. Um, take it a step further and really try to integrate um, the different ethnicities and culture perspectives into your family's life. So it's not just it's not just uh, something that is nice thought, but there's actually real practical application. And for some, it may be harder than others to do so, but I really believe with effort and um, focus, both can be done beautifully. Homeschooling with also the awareness of um, integrating um, ethnic-wise, culturally. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you, Lonnie. for No, that's great. I appreciate you sharing those points. I think I know that people are going to walk away from what you've had to say, uh, feeling helped today. So thank you for that. Cece, how about you? Any final thoughts you want to pass along?
2: There were so many things to say, and I think Lonnie did a great job. Take as much uh, time as you want. (laughs) I Just gathering my thoughts here. Um, I'm just a big proponent about relationships and Mm. I think whether it's figuring out whether you want to homeschool or how do I expand my circle of diversity and inclusion, um, it it comes down to what I think is the basics of relationships um, mm-hmm. and how we treat one another and how we just naturally. There's no, I would not say there's a quote race color formula on how to be a friend to somebody. Mm-hmm. There's some, you know, basic golden rules, right, that we follow in society. And I would just say, take those values and, um, and drive your relationships. And those will then all those things will naturally come. And I do believe if, you know, you believe, if you really want to do something, you're intentional about it. uh, I believe those things will just happen sometimes without even your own doing it just The way the world is i think um, for me the way that i think god works is that he will bring people in your pathway he will bring literature in your um in your mind and your sight to read to begin to to grow in that way and so uh that's what i would say
1: i think that's excellent uh you both have been such a huge help and i appreciate all this time that you have invested in this conversation so thank you Lonnie and Cece for making time to share your perspectives and your insights and your experiences with us today. I am so grateful to have had you both as experts on the show and really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you especially friend for joining us today. I look forward to the next
0: time. Thanks for joining Ann Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.